Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. So a few weeks ago, I started, uh, I, I spoke about seeing the glory of God and I thought that was it. But actually, no, I'm going to give you a part two today. Hey, um, and I recognise, because this last week, last time it was six pages, and I just about squeezed it in. This time it runs over a few more than that, so I might not get all of the points in. So we might shorten it a bit today, but that's okay, because I might get a chance at some other point in time to share some more. You never know. If Tom schedules me, we'll be okay. <laughs> we'll see. So, as we mentioned last time, there's a promise that God's given that says, and it's in Habakkuk, and it'll come up on the screen behind us. Um, there's a promise that God has given that says that uh, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, of Yahweh, as the waters cover the sea. The earth is full of his glory, but it will be filled with the knowledge of his glory. Because people will recognize it, they will see it. We had a little definition of glory, and we said that it was about renown. We said it was honorable fame. It was adoring praise, resplendent majesty, and beauty. And we said from a biblical standpoint, the, it was the revelation of God's being, his nature, and his presence to us, to mankind. Sometimes with physical evidence, actually experiencing it, him in his presence touching us. It's about knowing the glory of God, knowing the glory of God, not just speaking of it, recognizing who he is and all that there is about him. It's about seeing God's glory and recognizing it. It's about seeing him for who he is. It's about experiencing his presence in our lives, whether that's here in our meetings, in our quiet times, in our devotionals, or simply as we walk down the street. It's about having that experience of God close to us. Yeah? Okay. Now, some of us experience God in different ways, and some of us experience God's presence in different ways, and we've experienced his presence, the, the move of God in this place, in all sorts of different ways, and you may be the sort of person that experiences God by, um, you know, um, mm, sort of physical means. God, God, when we experience God's presence, he touches us spiritually, emotionally, and physically every aspect of our lives, because we're a whole person. He doesn't just touch our spirits, does he? He touches all of us, if we've truly experienced God. Do you see that? Yeah? Okay. So if that's true, then sometimes there's a physical aspect to what God does amongst us, and we've seen that. And some, over the years, have said, well, that's something we should shy away from, but I don't believe that's the case, because God is a God who's caring for every aspect of our lives, and he wants us to experience him in and through our bodies and our minds and our spirits just as much as he wants us to just have the spiritual experience. Okay, so with all that said, some of us physically experience God maybe with, uh, maybe with shaking because we just, we, we've just got that sense of awe and amazement and wonder as God comes and touches us. I don't know, has anybody had that sort of experience of just, you're in the presence of God and you're just shaking? I, I, I remember... Um, but at a time, I was, um, I was away, as I tend to be occasionally. I think I might, I don't it doesn't matter where I was, but I was away on a business trip. I was in some hotel somewhere, and um, I was just, I was praying, and I really just felt God say, this is, this is the time. I'm going to meet you. I'm going to come right now. And I just had that sense of, 
of shaking, and it was almost like electric jolts through me in a way. I don't know if I've even shared this with Ruth over the years. But that was something that was just, I don't know, it was just like, wow, what, what an experience. Was it just an experience for that moment? No, because it pushed me onto something else. It moved me forward into something else. There's been those times, and I'm sure you, you've experienced it as well, where maybe God's come upon you in such a way, I don't know, that maybe you've you felt overwhelmed and fallen over and you just rest in God's presence. Maybe you've, you've had that experience where the joy of the Lord comes up within you so much that you start bubbling over with laughter. And, you know, again, a lot of people, when that started and happened and broke out and we experienced it in this church, some people didn't understand that. But we know that that's a way that God touches us. Laughter is a good medicine. Sure, it says it somewhere. Or maybe we just simply, and uh, it's, you know, this is, this is just as strong, have that sense of God's peace. That deep peace that says, no, I'm with you. I've written it down here. The peace that Jesus gives is like, unlike anything this world can give, yeah? It's in, in the Hebrew, a shalom peace. All is well. Jesus can be trusted. Everything is in order. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. I've got it. I've got you. That's what God's saying when his peace comes into us in that way. Anybody experience that sort of deep peace? Do you know those moments in... in in our lives where we get to the place where sometimes all we can say is, oh God, because we don't quite know what to pray. And sometimes at those moments, there was, there was one of the songs we sang and it was talking about in, when we were kneeling in the depths of the dust, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember it exactly, God came and met me. It's in those moments God comes and meets us. Anyway, with all of that said, God, we can experience God and the glory of God and his presence in so many different ways. And this morning, why not? Why not another fresh way? Why not another fresh experience of God amongst us? Everybody's excited, which is good. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I really believe God wants to move amongst us today. I really want and believe that we, he wants to reveal a little bit more of his glory. He wants to lift a little bit of the curtain on who he is. And we're going to get to experience it just a little bit more this morning. So last time I spoke about three things, and this time I'm going to try and speak about three things. This time I've got uh, three topics, the glory of God transformation, the glory of God transition, and the glory of God testimony. So we're going to try and get through those. We may only get to the first two, but that's fine. Let's see how we go. So with that in mind, <coughs> we're going to go to... Um, Transformation, And we're going to look at Mark chapter 9, verses 2 to 10. Mark chapter 9, verses 2 to 10. The three apostles, Peter, James, and John, those were the three that, that Jesus tended to favor. They were, if you like, leaders of leaders. Um, the three of them experienced the glory of God in the first-hand way. They had a, an absolute amazing encounter with God, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus there in one together as Jesus was transfigured, as we talk about it, on the mountain. So we read it in Mark chapter 9. It might be a bit small up there, but I'm going to have a read of it from here. And it goes like this. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain, apart by themselves. And he, Jesus, was transfigured, transformed, changed, physically different, before them. 
His clothes became shining exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Whiter than Purcell. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Oh, I need a new mic. Okay. Batteries are gone. New mic. Okay. Then, so, and Elijah appeared to, to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered, I don't know who he answered because nobody had asked a question, but then Peter answered, but that's important, and then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, teacher, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, three tents, three booths, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, because Peter did not know what to say, for all of them, Peter, James, and John, were greatly afraid, and a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. Now, as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them that they should tell no one the things they had seen, till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept this word to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. Okay. That's quite a scene, isn't it? It's quite a scene, isn't it? Can you imagine being there with Jesus in that place on a mountaintop and all of a sudden Jesus is transfigured, transformed, changed. He's shining. He's bright. He's, the glory of God is literally upon him. And there are two most important representatives of the Old Testament right there, Moses and Elijah. Moses representative of the law, Elijah representative of the prophets. How many times do we read in the Gospels where it says, and the law, of the, the law and the prophets are summed up in this, and the law and the prophets, and the law and the prophets. It's so, so significant and important. What a moment. What a moment. And it's clear that the disciples were just gobsmacked by it. I mean, they were, they were, they were more than starstruck. They were totally in awe in this particular situation. We'll come back to that. But then it says that Jesus was transfigured. Now, that word transfigured is, is the word metamorpho in the Greek. I'm not going to go all Greek on you, but it's only used a few times, and it's translated transfigured here, but in most of the places, it's translated transformed, changed. And it's where we get our word metamorphosis from. We've heard that word, metamorphosis, yeah? And the traditional example of a metamorphosis is what? What would we say? Butterfly. Before that? Caterpillar to butterfly, isn't it? Yeah. It's a caterpillar to a butterfly. Anybody seen any caterpillars this summer? Spring, summer? No. Okay. Nobody goes out in the garden or into the countryside. I, I, was, um, I was fortunate enough at the beginning of June to go with um, my two sisters. One, one sister lives in Athens. The other one lives in Wolverhampton. We don't get together very often. I think it was the first time we'd all been together like that for a period of time for oh, five, six, seven, I don't know how many years, and it was so good. But we went out, and we went, and as we were looking at one of the plants, there was about 10 caterpillars on one particular plant. I don't know why they liked that plant, but they were there. But the caterpillars were creeping and crawling, and, that, uh, and then they're furry and quite nice, but really not much to look at, and they're creeping things, aren't they? Does anybody love caterpillars then? I'm getting real silence from us today. I'm obviously saying something wrong, but caterpillars, really, they're just one level up from worms, aren't they? 
you know. But then the caterpillar goes into the chrysalis, into that stage where there's some, something goes on and there's transformation and they come out of the chrysalis and they're the butterfly with wings and beauty and light. You know, we, we um, sometimes stay in the countryside in one particular place we stay that recently we've just seen so many red admirals and they've just been, they're beautiful. They're so lovely to look at. The butterfly is so lovely to look at. So, so different and yet, if you analyze them at their base, the DNA is the same. It's the same creature. Okay, you've got your biology lesson this morning from me. But here's the interesting thing. So it's the same word. So Jesus was transformed. He was exactly the same, and yet he completely changed. What does that mean? That sounds crazy, really? Yeah, because don't we know that in Philippians it says, Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. He was God, but he, said, he just said, no, I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to allow that to come out. I'm going to come as a man. And then at that transfiguration, in that transforming moment, the glory of God came and changed him into who he really was. Where I'm going with this is when we experience the glory of God and when we experience sometimes that physical nature of whatever it might be, whether it be shaking, whether it be that peace from heaven, when we experience and recognize and know the glory or the presence of God in our lives, it transforms us into who we really are. Just as it transformed Jesus into who he really was, is. Yeah? In this moment on the mountain, Jesus is revealed for who he is. He shines in his glory, God in man's form. And the apostles see it and, and you know, <laughs> says they're scared. Well, yeah, they're frightened. They're like, wow, they're actually, they perhaps don't realize it, but they're actually in the presence of God in that moment. That's an awe-inspiring thought, isn't it? I mean, I said earlier, they're more than awestruck, I don't, more than starstruck. Uh, anybody met your heroes? Anybody met a hero? Nobody has heroes, okay. Um, we're in church, we don't have heroes. Let's do that differently. Um, anybody met a star that you've, you, 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 you sort of, wow. So one, somebody there's met a star? Cliff Richard, okay, great, that's really good. That's, that's a good one. Anybody else? One there? You've got to say it once again. T. Tol Jackson. Wow, okay, great. That's good. And um, anybody from down here? This side? No? Julian Gaskin. Julian Gaskin. Whoa, come on. He's a great guy. When did you meet him, Julian? <laughs> so cool. But so I don't know, you guys, you've met stars and when you met those stars i don't know whether you were able to say yeah hi i'm i'm so and so or whatever it might be or, or you're like oh no 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 i didn't really know how to talk to them okay one shake of the head so maybe it was a little bit or inspiring a bit overwrought perhaps took a photo yes so often we do that don't we we take a photo so we can remember it later but we miss the experience at the moment anyway that's a different thing but I remember we went at one point to a particular um, Lewis Palau event. And at this Lewis Palau event, um, we got into the lift 
and we went up the lift. In, the, the event was in the ground floor, the basement of, of this hotel, and we got into the lift, and we went up the lift to our rooms, and uh, the, the chap who got in before us said, oh, what, what room are you? What, what level are you? And pressed the button and took us up. And it, I knew who it was, but I couldn't say anything, really. And we got out, and it was like, after we got out, I was like, oh, Bernard Langer was our, oh, I was a lift operator. Now, for those of you that know, Bernard Langer is, uh, is, is um, um, a, a very well-accomplished golfer who's won lots of things, and he's also a very strong Christian, spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christian, and uh, uh, was there for that reason. So I was a bit overawed. The, the, the disciples perhaps were a little bit starstruck because Elijah and Moses were so, so important to their faith. And they didn't quite know what to say. And they were hesitant to say something. And all they wanted to do was to take the photograph. They wanted to put a booth up and try and keep it. They wanted to keep that moment. But it's interesting that God actually came down in the cloud and said, do you know what? No. Don't keep the moment, but actually hear what Jesus says because it's in the day-to-day -day as you walk out the experience of the glory in the day-to-day -day that there's a difference in lives. A few weeks ago when I spoke, I said, you know, we talked about Moses. There's Moses and Elijah here, and we talked about Moses, and we talked about Moses experiencing the glory of God. And he was cheeky enough, bold enough, some would say, but cheeky enough, I think we could say ourselves today, to actually ask God to show him his glory. He asked God to show him his glory, and as we, if you remember, he, he, God said, I will show you my goodness, which actually is part of his glory. I will show you my goodness. So he was cheeky enough, and, and I suggested that maybe we, because we are able to come boldly before the throne of grace, aren't we? Because we are, we celebrated communion this morning, we took the bread and the wine, symbols of what Jesus has done for us, which has given us that righteousness that enables us to go before the Father and to actually go before the throne of grace boldly. And I suggested maybe we should be cheeky and boldly ask God to show us his glory. Did anybody do that? Yeah, and, and, and what was that experience like? Closer to God. You know, if, we, if we're willing to open ourselves up, he meets us where we are. Do you know, I'm way off piece today, so I'm definitely not going to hit target. Um, we, we don't think it's right for us to ask sometimes, but there's one thing... I mean, throughout, throughout the scripture, there, there's clear, clear encouragement for us to ask God, ask God, ask God, clearly. There's also the encouragement that says he will answer, he will answer, he will answer, clearly. But, you know, when it comes to the things of being close to God, seeing his glory and knowing his presence, in other words, being so close to him and united with him and having Holy Spirit living in, near and through us and around us, he says, ask and you'll receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. He says that, and then, do you know, he says the same thing again, but in a different way after that, so he repeats it again. So, you know, don't be shy about asking. In your devotions or in our meetings, are we open? Do you open yourself to the glory of God? As we worship this morning, we were beginning to open ourselves up to the glory of God. Do we do that? We need to do that more and more.
Why? Well, because that transforms us. As we're in Jesus' presence, we're transformed into who we really are, just like Jesus was. So we're going to switch to the glory of God transition. And we're going to move from Moses, who was uh, bold, to Elijah, who was bold, but also not so much. So Elijah was bold. What's he famous for? What's Elijah famous for? Anybody? Thank you. I'm glad you came, David. <laughs> Mount Carmel. And on Mount Carmel, um, the, the, the Elijah thinks he's on his own. He thinks he's the last of the last. He thinks there's no other believers in the land. He's there and... and um, all of the, the, the false prophets, the, the prophets of Baal are around. And he commissions a sacrifice and says, okay, if, this, if God answers by fire, and if this sacrifice that I've put water on, and I've doused so much that it's unlikely to catch a light, if, this, if God answers and comes by fire and this sacrifice gets burnt up, then God is God. But if actually you can do it, then Baal is God. And the prophets of Baal do what they can but can't succeed. And, and, you know, God answers Elijah. He's so bold to do this. And God answers Elijah. And Elijah experiences God come by fire and take up the sacrifice, burn it up. So Elijah was bold, but then immediately after his life was threatened. Immediately after. So the king went back to the queen and uh, um, the queen said, mm -mm, not having this. I'm really... She then just started breathing threats against Elijah. And when he heard that, when he heard that he was going to be potentially, um, uh, you know, have a death threat on his life, or had a death threat on his life, that just sent him down into a downward spiral. And off he went, and he went off into the wilderness. We could say that, in a way, Moses was bold and a bit cheeky. Elijah had been bold, but then seemed to almost lose faith and went off into the wilderness. And you know, again, we said at the beginning, we sang in that song about kneeling in the dust. And sometimes we're kneeling in the dust. Sometimes we're in the wilderness. Sometimes we just feel like we've got no faith left. We've done something for God, but then it's all been taken from us. And now we've got death threats coming against us. How many of us would even be prepared to put scripture up on Facebook because we're not sure what somebody else is going to say about it. And yeah, Elijah had stood before the king, before the nation. And when they threatened him, it's understandable. He lost faith in a way. It's sort of understandable. And he went and he went, went into, into self-doubt and into some depression, if you like. He was really, he'd lost a lot of his faith. But you know, God remained faithful because God came to him. He didn't ask God like, like Moses. He didn't say, oh, God, show me your glory. But God was gracious enough, was generous enough to come to him, just like he sent Jesus for us. God was gracious enough to come to Elijah and generous enough. And you know, we read in 2 Timothy 2.13, and this is an amazing promise, which I love. Even if we are not faithful, or as it says, if we are faithless, he, God, remains 
faithful. He stays faithful to us even if we're faithless. It's not that we reject our faith, but if we're faithless, if we don't have enough faith to keep us going, God will come and meet us at that moment. So Elijah was at the end of himself. He wasn't just fed up. He was really, really down at his bottom at the lowest moment. God was gracious and generous to him. And even in the depths of our trouble, even when we're so down, we can't turn to God. He comes to us. In the midst of our despair, when at the end of ourselves, and as I say, we've been through some of those times where all we've been able to do is say, oh God, oh God, because we didn't know what to pray. At that moment, God comes and meets us where we are. I wanted us to read it. We've not got much time. In fact, time's gone, but we'll, we'll, I'll keep you a bit longer today. Because um, I did want to just read a little bit from First Kings 19. And it's verse 11. And it's God speaking, and he says to Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. The Lord was that close. God was that close. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces. We've had some strong winds yesterday, but they weren't breaking rocks in pieces. This is a powerful wind before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. I don't know if you've ever been in an earthquake. That's a violent time. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, cleansing fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? There's a still small voice that comes to us. We may experience the storms of life. We may experience so much. And yet the still small voice of God's presence in our lives can change everything. But sometimes we need that transitional moment. We need that moment to go through that, that we change to where God wants us to be. The transitional moment here for, for Elijah, you know, if you flick back and read verse 10, Elijah basically says the same thing as he's about to say to God here now when God asks him after being there in his presence, why he's there. And Elijah says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. Dirty, dirty, dirty. He goes on and says those things. It's almost word for word, exactly the same as what he said before he experienced God's glory. But you know, I think there's a tone that we miss here. And I think the tone in the first way of saying it is in desperation. And it's like, I'm at the end of my tether and I'm the only one left. Oh, but then he experiences God's presence. And when he experiences God's presence, I believe then he turns it around. And now he's saying, I'm the only one left, but come on. I'm going to take it on because, God, you're on my side. I see the dif- Do you see the difference? Why else, would, why else would it be exactly the same thing? Why else would the scripture write it down almost exactly the same? Unless there was a transition that happened there when he heard that small voice. This morning, folks... Have you heard the small voice of God speak to you in any way 
forget what I've said, because maybe I didn't say it right or I haven't communicated it well, but has God spoken to you in some way this morning? And if God's spoken to you in some way this morning, this is an opportunity for you to be in that transition moment to go from where you have been to where you can be. To go from being who you were to being all that God has called you to. Do you know, we're each one of us called to something more. Something more. And what I was going on to, to talk about next, but let me just briefly say it in a, a couple of words. The disciple, Moses experienced God's glory and was sent back down to deliver the law. Elijah experienced the presence of God and his glory and went, was commissioned to go for a mission. If you read those next verses, do that after before lunch and you'll find out what he did. The disciples, Peter, James and John, were also commissioned and they were told, listen to my son and do what he says you should do. We're commissioned when we experience God's glory. God's glory comes, and it's not just for us, it's for those around us. When others see the glory of God in our lives, wow, it makes such a difference. We become truly influential with those around us. I just wanted to just bring one quote. The measure of God's glory that rests on a life, on my life, on your life, following these unusual divine encounters. These divine encounters aren't for us. They are, but they're not. They're for those around us. So the measure of God's glory that rests on a life following these unusual divine encounters affects every person we touch. The supernatural becomes natural as God takes center stage in the places where we have influence. We take the glory back. So this morning, folks, are you wanting a little bit more of God's glory, a little bit more of God's presence, a little bit more of who he is in your life, not necessarily for us, although that's great, but perhaps for those that we're going to get sent to as a testimony and as a witness. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at centrechurch.uk or check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.